Hello and welcome to the TPM podcast. Uh, that stands for Theology of Plain Men. If you're new to us, we're a group of guys that aren't pastors, aren't theologians, authors, anything like that. We're plain people, plain men who have normal jobs, but still think it's important for us to think about theology and the Bible and how these things affect our daily life. Uh, my name's Andre. I'm here you said with, that already. I did? You did. Okay, well, it bears repeating. Uh, <laughs> I'm here with Zach. We're talking about humility today, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm with Zach, who's driving the soundboard today. And I'm here with David, who is... New to the listeners, new. for sure. Oh, that's so exciting. Mr. Nelson. Uh, I would well, say... you got to uh, differentiate uh, Yeah, that Nelsons. doesn't work right oh, here. Bo- yeah. Oh, frick. This yeah. is too many Andre Nelsons for one... from another mother. This is too many Nelsons for one podcast. I vote <laughs> to keep David. I will yeah, say this. I deserve that. Uh, to the listeners out there, um, I know you guys love our stories about TPMers, you know, interacting with other TPMers. Uh, I have never cried with another man more than I have cried with David Nelson. It's a true statement. David, back me up. That, that is absolutely true. I would be, I could probably count on, I would need more than two hands, maybe. I'm trying to think through like all the times that I've like cried with you and like. Well, it depends. How many yeah, commercials, how many commercials with dogs in them have you and I seen together? Oh, probably a lot. Yeah. Probably a lot. And this isn't even like counting like random, like overly emotional moments at like 12 o'clock at like, 100%. the crew house or whatever. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. We've had some yeah. moments. Oh yeah. Andre feels like the third wheel right now. Yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe if your heart wasn't so cold and emotionless, well, yeah. you'd feel more oh, at home. Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> no, I'm excited to have David here. Finally, he's been in the works for a little while, but it's taken a minute to get on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So this is this is huge. Um, I well, so I had a, a bit of a moment just now. He with, almost cried. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. We have a, a new set of headphones for the the um, St. Clair Beat Lab, or is that what we're calling St. Clair Studio? Kind of studio. I don't know. That's kind of milk toast, though. Anyway, yeah, it also might be trademarked as well, so I don't know <laughs> if we can call it that uh, for our, for our studio. And um, so I I put on these, and they're like over ear headphones, you know, like you, cool cool people wear. I, I I've never been really into that, and so but. You know, if you do a podcast, that's what you have to do, apparently. So, got a pair. This is great. They they sound good and they're helpful and I, and everything. But I was just like kind of complaining about it. My ears hurt so bad when I put these things on. And he's like, Zach goes, "Was well, is, is your ear like in them?" And so I take it off and look at it, and I'm like, "No, my ear is not in the little crevice. Is it supposed to be?" And he said, "Yeah, that's the whole point." <laughs> and I said, "My ears are so big. I I there's no way I have these elephant ears." <laughs> They cannot go in the little divot. In Your the ears thing. are made of the the warm, flaky pastries that you get at the state fair. <laughs> yeah. uh, so here's the thing for all the the listeners out there: uh, there are two types of headphones in the world. Um, one of them has the name um, over ear okay. headphones because they go over over <laughs> the ears on the side of your head the other kind are called on ear headphones yeah but i guess for andre the over ear headphones are just happen to also be on ear headphones so now i know and my ear is folded like a little taco inside this <laughs> thing and so in about 35 minutes we're gonna see 
if they come <laughs> unfolded, like. basically. <laughs> yeah, they're just gonna gradually shrink over time. You just have it's like a muscle. You have to train your ears <laughs> yeah. to shrink. Isn't that yeah. like with wrestlers? They get like wrestlers' ear or something like that. Oh my gosh. Podcasters' Is that ear. Happen to me? Yeah, you're gonna get podcasters' oh, no. ear. Oh no, that's a real thing. <laughs> All right, Mr. Nelson of the Andre variety. Yeah. What are we talking about? Today? So today we are carrying on our series uh, on misconceptions, uh, which we've had going for a couple weeks now. And today we're talking about the misconception that Christians don't believe in science. Um, David pointed out that he feels a little out of place as the only non-science person here. Uh, but you don't have to be a scientist to know that this is kind of a pervasive belief or a misconception uh, in in our society. And I think it kind of emerges out of a few key elements of the Christian uh, doctrine or, or belief that are, one, creationism, and two, uh, the miracles that are documented in Scripture. And we're going to get into those in more detail, but um, yeah, we just want to talk about how the reality for for us is that there is not uh, dissonance, dissonance, dissonance. Yes, thank you. Uh, between the Christian faith and science as we know it, um, even though it seems like. When I look out into society, into culture, kind of secular culture, it seems like they are pitted at complete opposite ends of some imaginary spectrum. I also think that um, there's a vocal minority of Christians who haven't done any favors to this misconception. Um, where I do, I do think there is, like I said, it's it's very vocal, it's loud, so it tends to be the caricature of Christian that's painted you know, in, in comedy and in media is the one who violently views science as an attack on their faith in large part. And, um, I, so that stereotype is, it was real. It does exist. Um, so I do think that, um, there is some, uh, you know, throughout history, we maybe haven't done ourselves any favors with when Christians have been met with, um, opposition, you could say, or with challenge or with questions or with debate, they haven't necessarily had great answers. Um, so I think people, when you don't, when you don't have a great ground to stand on, you kind of just attack, and that doesn't necessarily look great, um, or doesn't send a great message about what you believe. Um, let's begin at the beginning. I just made oh. that up. <laughs> so, I, so I would just want to say my piece about the. Uh, creationism thing so I kind of outlined there's two big I, I see this happening in or this topic revolving around two big areas and the first of them is creationism and I, I had I did this rant the other day and and this is just my piece and we I'm, this is not a podcast about creationism and or you know any of the arguments underneath that and it's also not a podcast about uh, uh, the miracles um, but they're relevant obviously my thing with creationism is that people spill way too much ink and waste way too much breath on something that doesn't really matter to their actual life uh, one bit. So, you know, my, my, my thing on that is, guess what? Earth made four and a half billion years ago, sinner in need of a savior. Earth made 10,000 year years ago, sinner in need of a savior. Yeah. 
I I just don't like, and I and I also don't like hinging the truth of all scripture on a, a single chapter or a single segment of the Bible that was written for a specific purpose that wasn't, you know, historical record or scientific textbook. Uh, and and there's a lot that we could say, and and someday we probably will do, hopefully will do a podcast on creationism. But I think that it's just like important for me to get that out there that like this you you can't answer this question or resolve this misconception by simply saying like like you know there is an answer to creationism and you just have to understand what it is i think it's more about like getting past the like big sensational hurdles that exist around this and 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 understanding that there's more to science than the origins of the earth and yeah even though that's such a popular thing for to to get talked about yeah, I do feel like people a lot of times make it like this end all be all thing. Like if, you know, if seven day creation like isn't real, well, then we can just toss out all of Christianity at that. Like it's just like, you know, there's nothing left to talk about. Or like, um, Andre, I know you talked about creation. I know one that I run into a lot and I'm sure you guys have as well. But, you know, the evolution conversation as well of just like, oh, well, did God start with Adam and Eve? Did he start with, you know, single celled organism? Like, what did that look like? And if it was you know, not Adam and Eve, then clearly we could just, you know, throw out the Bible. And I think, you know, that's just not the way that I would say a lot of scholars too, like it's just not the way that they approach, um, you know, creation and, and how you view Genesis. I mean, like you can have various views of Genesis and still be uh, an Orthodox Christian. You could still like, as you said, you can hold to an old earth or a young earth and you can still be a Christian. Um, and I, I don't know if a lot of people, get that. And I don't know if as Christians, we, we respond to it that way either. I think sometimes we make this kind of the end all be all and, and it's just not that way. Um, so Nick was supposed to, to join this podcast as well. Spoiler alert. We we're going to have two virtual guests for the first time ever on TV. Uh, but, uh, so I was going to specifically ask this question to him because I've had this conversation with him. So now you guys get this question. So while we might say that, like, you can hold to either one of these theories and still, you know, believe this. There are a lot of people who still feel that that needs to be reconciled, right? That this idea of, like, creationism has to be reconciled. And it is a big hurdle, a big sticking point. So if, uh, David, you kind of answered this one, but Andre, if someone comes to you with that specific question of, hey, like, this is a hurdle for me. Like, I can't get over this because science and all these people that I think are really smart is telling me this. Um, but your Bible seems to be saying this. What is your response when it comes to creationism? <sighs> Where's Nick? <laughs> it's a very <laughs> triggering question because I, I just, I, yeah. it, I have always hate, really not been into apologetics and, and that's not the foundation of your question, but it just is like kind of just close enough to <laughs> rub me the wrong way with all that. Uh, uh, you know, apologetics being explaining the the kind of rationale for what you believe uh, and, and reconciling that. I don't know. This, this, it would be very difficult. I, I would really have to draw upon the deepest reserves of patience <laughs> that I have to... to to not, you know, to engage that person, uh, try to explore why. Like, I would, I, seriously, the first thing I would do is try to seek to understand why that's so important to them. You know, like, what what is the source of their kind of reverence for mm -hmm. scientific 
explanation and understanding and 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 not to say that you know to, to trap them into saying something to be like well no that's stupid like there could be some really great and i would love to know more about that about that person is you know why why is it important to you and uh to have that scientific kind of explanation or or rationale for it uh and then and then i would probably try to ca- to springboard into just showing how like for me it that's not what the i don't know and maybe i'm not answering the question that you asked but i would just try to focus on the fact that it's not really about that andre mm-hmm. you beautiful beautiful man you stumbled upon almost exactly the point i was trying to make which is remarkable. Emphasis on stumbled upon. Uh, you, you really did. <laughs> we didn't talk about this beforehand. I just threw this out to you. But I think I, I want to hit on this now, and I think I want to apply it a little bit later. But um, I think kind of as we as we go a little further into the specific misconception, the, the pin I want to put up for the listeners here, I think that when with this one, with this misconception in particular, um, when the big hangups tend to be, you know, creationism, evolution, miracles, those tend to be the really big ones. Um, and here's the thing that doesn't tend to be the big one. The fact that a real man died and crawled out of the grave, that tends to not be the first thing people think of when in reality, that's a much more important thing than did God create the earth in a short amount of time or a long amount of time, right? Like that one's a whole heck of a lot more important. So my point is that the, the thing that I think is noteworthy is, Andre, you said it exactly. It's really important to understand if you're talking to someone, and this is a big deal, specifically creationism, just because it's really, really prevalent. Um, it's really important to understand, okay, why is this? What's the hang up? Let's dig into this a little bit. You know, why, why don't you, why, don't, why doesn't this sit right with you? So I, I think you answered the question absolutely right, in my opinion. So in the in the spirit of potentially moving this forward, we talked a lot about creationism. Uh, let's talk a little bit about miracles. I think there's some different flavors there um, in terms of how that hits this misconception. Um, but what what are your guys' thoughts there? Is like kind of the next the next big idea. Um, you know, talking about miracles, how mir- how the Earth has perce- uh, maybe perceived miracles in the past, and how we've accredited those to scientific things now in a, in a lot of spheres kind of what's your guys's take on that yeah i so and and this is this one's a little bit more challenging for me I'll, I'll admit because i think it's when you read certain these things it's a lot harder to um not explain it away but to say yeah, I don't know. To just to give a rationale as as like a scientifically minded rational person, um, I my default and kind of what I've settled. Well, I shouldn't say settled on because I think it's something that I that I personally mean to explore more over the course of my life. Um, but is I try to embrace a kind of a posture of humility when it comes to my assuming my uh, capacity for understanding and and. Uh, rationalizing i'm using that word a lot the you know things that happen in the world and say like well if i can't explain it then there's no way that it i mean that then there's a big problem there i am i really try to err on the side of saying you know what there is a lot that i don't know about the world there's a lot that all of us you know mankind the science 
the scientific community, if you will, don't know about the natural world. And I and I also d don't claim to be like I don't ascribe to science as my number one thing. Like I am willing to sacrifice some of that scientific, rational, whatever, for the sake of a God that I know and believe to exist. Uh, and so, but ultimately embracing humility and saying like, you know, it's not just because that I can't understand it, that there's an, that there's an issue, you know, I'm willing to believe that there's a lot that I don't understand about the world and about God and about just everything that there can be, there can be some, some untied up, there can be some loose ends. And, and I, and I'm just okay with that. And I know that I just have like a different baseline of tolerance of, of doubt and, and not, and having those loose ends. But I guess that's, that's my take. Yeah. What do you think about that, David? Yeah. I think the thing I was thinking about was it's interesting to me that at least, and I don't know what your guys' experiences talking to either skeptics or non-believers or um, whoever, but I feel like a lot of people don't bring up miracles um, in terms of like why they don't believe or, um, you know, why they uh, refuse to think that Christianity is a rational religion. Um, I think a lot of people, like almost to a certain extent, like I think a lot of people do believe in miracles, like to this day. And I mean, maybe we don't think about them in the same way that that scripture portrays them. But I just feel like, you know, you see stories of, oh, you know, this person had stage four cancer and they got healed. Wow, that's like, that's a miracle from God. Like, praise God. I feel like even like the most skeptical of people have a tendency to, you know, write those things out on social media or what have you. So I feel like there's almost this like, this willingness to embrace the idea of miracles. Um, but I, I think it's interesting too, because I think a lot of people get hung up on, and and maybe maybe this is like an argument from, uh, you know, just my own experience, but I feel like a lot of people get more hung up on the Old Testament miracles as opposed to the New Testament ones. Isn't that so wild? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, you know, like you have Jesus, you know, dividing, you know, five loaves and two fish to feed thousands. And it's like, oh yeah, like I, I could probably get behind that or like turning, you know, dirty you know, like water that you'd wash your hands with into just the best tasting wine in the world. And it's like, oh yeah, like that, I can totally get that. And then it's like, you know, um, Moses parting the Red Sea or, you know, frogs coming all over Egypt. Nope, it's like too far. Eh, yeah, too it's far. too far. Too I, far. I, I yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I think, I think there's a sympathy to miracles in our culture, which I think is interesting, but um, yeah, you know, I think, I think if someone would come up to me and say like, listen, like, I can't believe that, you know, Moses divided the Red Sea. Um, you know, I, I agree with Andre. I think you just have to approach it with humility and just say, like, you know, I believe with God all things are possible. And the problem, though, I think, and maybe we'll get into this later, is, like, for a lot of skeptics, that's, like, not an acceptable answer. Like, it's like, oh, no, like, you have to answer for this. Like, you know, because if you're, you know, a naturalist, if you're of a scientific mind, like, you need to see something and test it and then come back with your findings. And so like this idea of like, you know, I, I'm just going to believe God. Like, it's just, it, it doesn't always uh, work with people, which I think is, is a struggle for some people. But um, anyway, back to the original question though was, yeah, I think, I think humility is just so critical and, and yeah, I think like trying to understand like why, why is that a hang up for you as a person? And I think more often than not, you'll probably find there's like a personal struggle there too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, so I think we've done a good job addressing some of the big 
kind of thirty thousand foot view science issues. And I but I but I do think that we've uh um put put in a good in a pretty favorable light the skeptic or not not even the skepticism but the the gen, the idea of this misconception saying like you know these things that are like pretty plausible to have a misconception about or to um for for Christians to there to be actually kind of some conflict between the Christian statement of beliefs and what science would say but there are a lot of other ones and i think that's where the misconception is particularly heinous don't you mm. it, so i what i'm thinking of is like the kind of like fringe almost like and this is what Zach alluded to, kind of like cult things that have bled into the popular understanding of of just Christianity as a whole. And and so like when you know uh, Christian Science or Scientology or whatever has have these pretty outrageous beliefs that contradict what every, you know everything that we seem to know about the natural world, you know. Just by association, by like linguistic association of the word Christian being in there, it, it some of those things get kind of get mapped onto just like ye old Christian, like <laughs> the average Christian believer uh, in the world today. And so I think, you know, things like, you know, you don't need to go to a doctor; you can just pray over your oh yeah your illness, and and if you believe, like God will hear you, heal you, and and, and like especially like Christian Science, I didn't really, I didn't really know a lot about Christian Science. But I read <laughs> read a lot about it today. Um, crazy, and, oh, and, yeah. and 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 a good example of like where, so so part of the background of that is like there's this additional book that its founder wrote that has, is like kind of elevated to like inspired text status, like alongside the Bible. And so that so obviously that's like a good red flag of. <laughs> Yeah, maybe don't like okay. This is, <laughs> but but just like how you can take one thing like science and like morph it into this really bad foundation for your beliefs if you don't spend the time to reconcile and to think critically about science as we know it as a culture and and scripture and what we're and you know the truth of God and to be like serious about reconciling those things and. Keeping everything in its right place, keeping the main thing the main thing. I'm gonna. That's not the first time I'm gonna say that. Today. So, uh, I I like what you said because kind of all that to say, like yeah, yeah, Christians <laughs> summarize that for me. <laughs> Christians again. Christians haven't done a, a sect of Christians just haven't done us any favors yeah. in, in the realm of this misconception because you know there are those things that are just like nonsense, right? That that just really don't have anything to do with the gospel. There are these kind of outlying theories that are really just a response to maybe a challenge of the faith. And it's like, well, you've challenged my faith, so I have to double down yes. on yes. on this over-spiritualization. And I have to now, because you're the science person and I'm the faith person, I now have to separate even further from you. I can't even be a little bit science. I have to be yeah. all yes. faith. Yes. Um, and in reality, I think that's I think that's a bad approach. And I almost I was thinking about this in preparation. Andre, you and I talk about art a lot. I almost <laughs> art and science are never used synonymously, but in how they've kind of lined up with Christianity, I um at least in terms of how society sees it, I almost kind of think they operate in the same way. Where I think there's such a, a 
there's like it's a I'm gonna use the same word again. I'm trying not to, but I can't help it. There's a vocal minority of Christians <laughs> who have done the same thing with art that they did with science. That because some art is quote like secular in nature, there's some really good music out there in the world that is secular, that is truly beautiful, and uh, and does say something about our Creator and about the way He's made the world that we've disregarded because it's not quote holy and we've done the same thing with science where science tells us a whole heck of a lot about god truly and we've discarded it in a lot of ways because it's not holy it's not sacred and in reality they're just this this wall between sacred and um what's the secular secular thank you david you uh, said that word like 15 seconds ago i did <laughs> i did that's okay i'm old deal with it i have a child dad brain i can't, I can't wait till you're actually old and you listen back to this and you hear yourself saying i'm old yeah i have i have the ankles of an 85 year old well, that may be true oh, gosh. <laughs> um Anyways, th- we, we put up this wall between sacred and secular, and that really, really manifests itself in science. So yeah. all that, again, to say <laughs> we haven't done ourselves any favors. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, one one story to share quick that I think illustrates this well, and hopefully this doesn't come off as like trying to boost myself up, but but maybe this will help like explain. Boost away, like. boosty. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so, uh, you know, uh, I can't remember if Andre or Zach mentioned this. I mentioned this to you guys in a text, but I'm the only non-science major of this trio. Um, but one of the last, uh, so I was I was a journalism major and I was in the liberal arts school. So you had to take, you know, some science courses. I think I had to take a physical science and a biological science. And uh, I ended up taking human evolution. Could just like, you know, I'm a Christian, like, you know, I got to I gotta figure out how to answer it. And also it's just like, you know, it's interesting to study and see um, you know, that theory and, and kind of the way that it works. But, you know, I remember going through that class and it was a really fascinating class, but I remember at one point, uh, we were studying, uh, and the evolutionary, uh, people will, will know this, but, um, as Zach just said, I'm the only non-science major in all of theology of plain men. <laughs> uh, sorry, low blow, but it, I think it's technically oh, no. true. But it's helpful, you know, I'm, I'm bringing up the diversity of the group, so this is good. Big time, um, big time. Which yeah. is needed in a room full of engineers. Yeah. Except oh, yeah, coding. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, so I'm, I'm sitting in a, a human evolution class and we're going over, um, we're going over Darwin's finches. Um, so I'll probably butcher the explanation of this, but basically, you know, Darwin's on this island. I think it's the Palapagos. I can't remember the name. Yeah, it's it. the Palapagos. Yeah. So he's on the he's on the Palapagos Islands, and he's noticing that um, these finches, their beak sizes are changing. And you know, I I can't remember if it's like large beak eats large seed or large beak eats small seed. But basically, what's happening is like the birds' beak sizes are changing. So they're able to get food and they're able to get nourished and they're able to, uh, you know, continue to fly around happily, you know, whatever birds do. But but while we were listening to that, I was just thinking about the Sermon on the Mount. Like I'm thinking about Jesus telling us not to be anxious and to look at the birds of the air and see that the father feeds them. And so I think when we, we talk about bringing together the sacred and the secular, I think, I think Zach's right. I like, we can't separate them because ultimately God is 
over all of that and telling us and communicating something of himself through all of these things. So we just we we can't separate it. Like we have to we have to see where where God is speaking to us through these. Yeah, you can call them like secular mediums, but like it it's all of God. Like and I think you know Christians when we try to distance ourselves from science, like there's like there's some beautiful crazy things that go wildly over my head in science like black holes. And I think those like go over the head of most scientists too. But like, you know, there's just some crazy things where you're just like, I don't know, like you got Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about how massive the universe is. And it's just like, man, like this is like big and beautiful. And, you know, I believe that a a creator created this. So it it makes it all the more beautiful. So yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I think we need to start figuring out how to, how to reunite the the so-called sacred and secular. Absolutely. We do, we do ourselves a disservice. And I'm so glad that Zach introduced the parallel to the art thing. We do ourselves such a disservice when we just discount discount a whole field and a whole kind of channel of understanding um, just based on based on nothing at the, at the end of the day. And and there is a consequence to it too, you know? I mean, this is a can of worms, and we're not going to talk about it, but the vaccines thing. I mean, that is something that emerges oh, yeah. out of this totally broken uh, foundation of science within the the Christian realm. And that has to, has a lot to do with, you know, misinformation and misunderstanding and a perpetuation of, of, uh, of well, misconceptions. So that's a misconception kind of within the, the Christian world as opposed to between the Christian world and the secular world. But... But there, but just all that to say, and that's all we can say is just that it there are consequences to it. That it really does matter, and it's not just this heady thing. It's like not only are you m- missing out on greatness, but you're also potentially uh, allowing yourself to wander into into danger and into the opposite of human flourishing. I mean, yeah, and, and so I think I think that's a really important thing to to acknowledge that there are consequences to not doing it. But I think it would be good if we could squeeze some applications out of this. Uh, you, somebody else is going to have to go first or, or else I'm going to just keep talking and say something stupid like put it on a post-it note on your mirror. So <laughs> so in the spirit of putting things on post-it notes on mirrors, no, I'm kidding. In the, in the spirit of trying to get back to the intent, right, with this whole misconceptions shindig, the misconception of Christianity is that Christians don't believe in science. That's the misconception. So, uh, my application, which I'm, this was like my main point and we never talked about it at all. So I'm going to pitch it out as an application. So this is a little bit out of left field, but here we go. Um, when confronted with this misconception or when challenged on it, um, what I think is important for not necessarily, I don't think we need to always just be ready to have like rebuttals all the time. Like that's not really the intention, but Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to being prepared with an answer, um, what has always bothered me um, about kind of this distinguishment is like Christians don't believe in science. We just also believe in a sphere of the world that is inherently spiritual that and that tends to be what what I find gets gets challenged so much because it is a thing we can't grasp we can't hold and that we have faith in um granted we it, it's for good reason there's a we have a lot of evidence that suggests it we're not as blind in faith as I think we're often made out to be 
Um, but um, don't uh, don't discredit ideas or theories or philosophies or evidence purely on the basis that it's spiritual, just on the basis that it's spiritual in nature, because that really has no logical grounds. Just because something is spiritual in nature doesn't mean that it has that there is no opportunity for it to be equally as true as any amount of science. Let me explain. Science throughout all of everyone thinks science is this rigid, unchanging thing. That's often how it's talked about. It's an immovable object. It cannot be touched. Science is extremely fluid. And that's the best science we had, you know, years and years and years and years ago said that the earth was flat and that the sun revolved around it. That was the best science we had at the time. We were a heck of a lot wrong. That is very different now than it was then. Science is extremely fluid. So discounting ideas purely on the basis that they're spiritual in nature is is not logically founded um, and in and of itself ha- has no real basis. So I, I do think as a Christian, you can stand on the ground that, yes, there are things that are spiritual in nature. That doesn't mean I don't believe things that science says. Um, I just believe that there are also things that inherently the, the laws of the world as we understand them cannot explain. That's not much of an application, but it's maybe a note for the Christian to kind of keep in their back pocket. No, I think that's great. Maybe maybe if I just summarize what I heard you say in a way that makes an application. Consider the the spiritual nature of certain things in the world and don't let that very nature rule it out entirely. Right. You know? And and maybe on the flip side, don't let the fact that things are spiritual in nature let you discard all the things of science. Everything else. Right. Yes. Exactly. They, 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 I, believe, I do believe they coexist and that God reveals himself in a way that lets them coexist. I'm going to stop talking. Yeah. That's my point. So, uh, yeah, that's that's great. I think I'm going to... It's really great that I stopped talking. It's really great that we're done with that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, the, what I'm going to say is just springboarding off the last thing that he got there, which was kind of that, that the flip side, which I'm going to have two half applications here. The flip side being... Don't let yourself get too crazy. Don't don't I mean don't discount science entirely because you are insecure I mean insecure about your faith to the point that you see that as an affront, you see science as an affront and then you recoil into this 100% spirituality. No. And and, and so then to reference the scary examples <laughs> that I pointed out earlier of like just, you know, pray, you know, healings and and prayers Exclusive, like go to the doctor. Like you can, you can embrace science, and and I don't need to. Most people don't need to hear that, but I. But to acknowledge the the fullness of the spectrum of this topic, I think it's worth saying that. I think more importantly and more uh, applicably, uh, I would say that just keep the main thing the main thing. So, in in my hypothetical conversation with the skeptic, uh, with the person kind of seeking apologetics. Just recall that the uh, what, what what the point of scripture is, what the point of this spiritual f- doctrine framework is. It is it is to show you that, and is to build up the fact that we are are broken people who are on their own, entirely hopeless and undeserving of any really any good thing. But that despite that, God 
entered our hopeless case and gave us a way out. He gave us uh, his son who died for us and has um, offered us uh, a place, a place at the table, a place in his kingdom, and, and, and ultimately forgiveness. And so, you know, at, at the end of the day, that is what counts, and, um, and, and we just need to to keep that at the forefront. And so, as with all things, it's going to be a balancing act, but um, it, it is extremely important that you maintain that balance. And if it means a post-it note on your window or on your mirror, I don't care. Um, David, hit me with an application. Well, you're preaching the gospel, man. So I think maybe we should just like end. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I would, I would say a couple quick things. Um, yeah, I mean, both for you know the the skeptic and um, and and for the Christian as well. For the for the skeptic, I would just say very quickly, like the the people that you're seeing on TV, uh, like go go meet like some real like not real Christians, but like go meet like Christians who are um, engaging in their local church, who are faithful members, who are serving their community. Like go meet like real Christians because I think that's part of the issue is like. I think people just think like all Christians are Ken Ham because he's like, just like on TV a lot. So like, <laughs> just go like talk to like some some Bible believing, Christ loving Christians at your local church. And then yeah, I'd say just lastly for the for the Christian, you know, keep the main thing the main thing, and um, you know also understand like you know uh, when you're asked about it, like that's God opening an opportunity for you to share Christ with that other person. And and Andre, you you beautifully. Uh, you beautifully articulated the gospel that we ought to be preaching in those conversations. Absolutely. Not bad for a non-scientist <laughs> in the deep end. I'm giving, yeah, exactly. I'm giving us a exactly. lot of credit, Zach. And welcome yeah. to the fold, David Nelson. We are oh, so glad to have you on, I love the, you, David. on the air. This has guys. been TPM. Great conversation. Uh, hopefully edifying to you. It was certainly verbal processing for us. See you soon. Yes.